1: Join your host, author, estate planning attorney, and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt.
0: Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and this show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Bryan, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Also brought to you by Animal Care Trust USA the nation's only not-for-profit organization dedicated to keeping loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of using pet trusts and providing pet trustee services. For more information, you can visit their website at actforpets.org. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce to you our special guest.
2: Her name is Judy Helm-Wright. Welcome to the show, Judy. Hello, Peggy. So glad to see you. And welcome from beautiful Montana. Where are you at?
0: I am in central Florida. So I love that you're in Montana. What part of Montana? In beautiful Missoula. We're just about halfway between Glacier and Yellowstone. I have been there and I love Missoula. I also love Glacier. It is my favorite national park.
2: Yeah, it's gorgeous. And my
0: stepson lives in Bozeman, so um, I do have some connections to Montana. Good. Oh, good, good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let me tell you, um, my listeners, a little bit about Judy. Judy is a life educator. She's a family coach and a keynote speaker who has written more than 20 books, hundreds of articles, and she speaks internationally on family, parenting, and relationship issues, including communication, encouragement, and end of life. Judy is a certified pet grief coach who takes pride in her work with the animal-human connection. She has written extensively on the topic of grieving and offers guidance, counseling, and communal sharing for many grief clients. It is truly my pleasure to have her on the show um, because this is a difficult topic, but something that's important to talk about.
2: Don't you agree, Judy? I certainly do. And Peggy, I, I showed you the little brochure that we're going to be talking about, frequently asked questions about pet loss. And I took a stack of these to a women in the pet industry conference and was putting them on, on the table on, you know in front of people. And I had two or three people who threw them away, said, I, I can't even deal with that. I cannot even fathom my pet dying. But the reality of it is, is not only is the pet going to die, but so are we.
0: Yes, and uh, never more poignant than right now. So Absolutely. as a state planning and elder law attorney, uh, we have never been busier. Um, I, I always said that Americans are optimistic. We like to say, when I win the lottery and if I die. I know, you know? <laughs> I know. It's not funny. Yeah. So I'm thinking that uh, people are becoming more aware that um, death is a possibility. Certainly, we don't like to think about any of our pets passing away. But unfortunately, because they don't have the significantly long lifetimes like we do, um, it's a reality
2: of life. It truly is. It truly is. And one of the things that, that I wanted to discuss today were these frequently asked questions because a lot of people don't know and and they they pretend that it's not going to happen when it is going to happen it is a certainty and so i think i sent you a list of these questions and so if we could go through them i think that would be a great place to start peggy absolutely so
0: and before we do that tell people a little bit about what exactly is a pet grief
2: coach well i'm i'm not a therapist I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm, I'm really just a guide. And I stand as a witness to your pain. And one of the things that I love to do is, is hear your story of your pet. And as a a memory writer and a memoir teacher, it it really makes me feel good and makes you feel good when you're able to share the story. One of my books, Peggy, is called I Lost My Best Friend Today, Dealing with the Loss of a Beloved Pet. And, And these are, it's an anthology of stories of, of people who have had a pet who died and how they dealt with it and and how they felt. It's, it, it's just a great book. And almost universally, they said how therapeutic it was to write and share about that pet. Wow,
0: okay, well, then we will lead people down kind of the frequently asked questions and, um, and hope that they will take a look at this fabulous book so that they can have some uh, support if they're going through the grieving process. So one of the frequently asked questions, of course, is my pet is old and ill and I feel like I'm already grieving. Am I?
2: Yes. And that's called anticipatory grief. And uh, I think you mentioned in this era of COVID, I think there are a lot of families who are going through anticipatory grief. They, um, they know that their pet is very ill, that they're 16 years old. And, and so they're already grieving the loss of that pet before the pet even dies. So it's, um, uh, we have a wonderful palliative doctor friend, and he wrote the book, the Four, the Four Main Things to Say. And it's, you say them to your loved one, you say them to your pet please forgive me for anything that, that I did. You know, I forgive you. Thank you. And I love you. And then um, I always add a fifth one, which is goodbye and good luck on your next great adventure. Right.
0: Oh, I love that one. All right. So that's very good advice. And let's go on to, a question that I think a lot of people feel which is why don't other people understand how sad I am about the loss of my pet
2: well and a lot of people have told me especially in the workplace that uh, there's this kind of attitude like get over it he was just a dog you know come on it's a cat it's not like you lost a child but to many of us they are our children
0: and, to me and they so- certainly are yes I and I would Every time I lose one, it is a very painful process.
2: That's right. And to many people, this is their only unconditional love they have ever felt in their lives. So it's a very, very uh, deep grieving process.
0: And it can be a long grieving process, right?
2: Uh, a grief in every, in every situation can be long. And you, it comes in waves. You think okay okay i got this i can do this and then you'll find a a a dog's toy out in the yard and your tears will well up or you go in the garage to get something and there's one of the bones that he's hidden and and so it, it is a long process and it's not an easy one but it's but it's normal and it's natural and it's necessary that you go through that grief
0: Well, and I know I lost a horse this summer and um, every day I'm in the vicinity of the place where he was buried. And so on a daily basis, I'm reminded of him. Mm -hmm. Um, I had him for 25 years. Wow. Uh, And so every day I have a little bit of having to deal with that grief. Mm -hmm. Um, So what advice would you give me about how to work through the pain and honor my pet?
2: I think the thing that you're doing, Peggy, is you're, you are acknowledging it. And I had a stillborn child 48 years ago. and, and she died the day before Christmas. And, and I, I mean, that's 48 years. And here comes Christmas, every, uh, you know all this fun thing, wrapping the papers and everything. The day before Christmas, I'm weepy. And the reason is because those memories are locked in our cells. And so we have to acknowledge, oh yeah, that's why I'm weepy, of course, you know, this isn't, I'm not going crazy. And and I. that's one of the questions that we may or may not get to is a lot of people say, I feel like I'm going crazy. Am I ever going to feel normal again? And the answer is, yeah, you'll feel better emotionally, but you'll feel different than before. Grief is very intense and it impacts you physically mentally and spiritually and um, at some point you will remember these things and you will you will be okay and and you will be better but it's a new normal
0: it is a new normal and um and i can understand when people say you know i feel like i'm going a little crazy am i ever going to be normal again And I would suspect that some people have shared with you, Judy, that maybe sometimes they feel like the loss of their pet is even more painful than the loss of a family member.
2: Absolutely. And one of the reasons is because your pet loves you unconditionally. They don't care where you work. They don't care how much money you make. They don't care if you're fat or you're uh, any of those things. They just love you. And, and when I was a parent educator, and a lot of my books deal with relationships and parenting, I say, envision a cocker spaniel. When you, when you come in the door, that cocker spaniel's little tail's just wagging. <laughs> and, and if you can greet your children that way with unconditional love, game on. Absolutely. I always
0: say every night when I get home, my six dogs throw me a big party every
2: single night. I know it feels like it, doesn't it? They just it's just there's so much unconditional love there. And for many people, that is that is the only fountain of love they have ever received.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and I always say that uh, husbands can learn a lot from dogs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because when, when I pull into the driveway, they race to the car, they climb in, but while I'm trying to get out, they're kissing me and so happy to see me. uh, You're right. We never get that kind of a greeting from anybody else. I know. I know. I know. Um, So let's talk about what happens when we have to euthanize a pet. How do we make that decision? Do you have
2: any guidance for us on that? Uh, yeah and I, I and actually this we just euthanized our beau and and I, and I don't call it euthanasia. I call it the good death, okay but our beautiful Rosie who is was an Icelandic shepherd that we had had for sixteen years and and when she was in pain and we knew that um, it was time to go, we made that decision and I, w- I want to uh, share with your listeners how they do that. It's absolutely painless. The veterinarian and the animal hospice nurse uh, has received very special training in this. And their end-of-life animal hospices that will work with your family to honor the life and death of your pet. They're professional and understanding. And uh, it was just such an exquisite experience of of being there having her on her special blanket having all of us around her and and we brought our other pet focus we brought her because the other pets do grieve and they need the closure of seeing that uh, <clears throat> that animal and I'm sure Peggy you mentioned your horse and and I think that it was probably important for your dogs to see the horse down and to know oh She's not coming back. Yeah. She, it's, and to, and a circle, they circle the body and, and understand what it is. And, and what happens during the euthanasia or the good death is they receive kind of like a, an anesthesia, like you would if you were getting your tooth pulled. So you're very relaxed. And then, the, uh, then they receive a shot that, that helps them go to sleep. And our little Rosie just put her, her crossed her, her feet over her, her little hands and laid her head down exactly like she did at home. And both my husband and I and our grandchildren were all there circling her and thought, what a wonderful way to end a wonderful life. She had a little piece of steak in her mouth and she had, she was surrounded by loving people. And it was a good death. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience.
0: Oh, well, that, that was a lovely story for you to share. And and I think it is becoming more popular for uh, families to participate in the good death process, to even have that take place at home now on a more regular basis. That's right. Um, So you mentioned other pets grieving and I, I do believe that they grieve and um, certainly when I, when I lost my horse, we, um, we did allow the other horses to to mm-hmm. visit him and to have their time with him. And it was interesting because they, they showed their respect and then they were done and they actually went and ran around the pasture like yeah. maniacs for a few moments. And then they went back
2: to their normal life. Yeah. But it was important for them to see, that their friend was, was in a different place that what they exactly. were looking at was the body of their friend. But, but I think if people um, take a pet to the vet uh, to have this good death and don't allow the other pets, the other pets keep looking for them. They I think you're eating.
0: absolutely right. Yes. I, um, I had sister dogs and we made the mistake of, On the day that we lost one of the sisters, um, we just took her to the vet and and she didn't come back. And uh, I think the other sister just grieved and she grieved literally until she died.
2: I Um, think so. I think so. Because they don't understand, but but it's instinctual. and, And that's why it's so important that we have some sort of ceremony to mark the end of a life. And and I think that's been one of the hardest things for us as humans during COVID is that there there are no funerals. And there are, uh, I just went to one on Saturday that was a a life tribute and it was wonderful, but there was no body. There was no, um, uh, there was no dinner afterwards. Uh, Everybody was in masks and and you weren't you weren't hugging, you were elbowing and and high fiving, and I think we need closure, and I think pets need closure too. They need to know that that sister dog is not going to come back.
0: I don't disagree with you at all. So I think that is important, and and I've even advised clients before when they talk to me about a pet that seemed to be grieving after the loss of a pet that got taken away like mine did. And I, and I say, and they, they kind of look at me with a side eye at first, but I say, well, did you explain to your cat at home exactly what happened? So that they have some awareness and that they don't just think that the dog disappeared or their friend Mm -hmm. disappeared. Mm -hmm. So what do you tell people about how they should um, deal with the loss of a pet with their children?
2: You know, um, I I told you that I write memoirs and one of the things that I found in 25 years of teaching memoir writing is how a child's first death experience is dealt with with the adults around them is pretty much how they will deal with death the rest of their lives. And those children whose parent who came home from school, their father said, "You know, your Taffy got run over. I just put her in the garbage can. She's not going to be here anymore." They grow up thinking that um, things and pets and people don't matter. And I wrote a wonderful book that is on my website, Artichoke Press. I miss you. Do pets go to heaven? And. And then I have another book called How to Explain Death, Loss and Grief to Children. It's a handbook for parents and, and caring adults. And it's vital that you tell the children the truth, that they are not coming back. And, and for young children, when parents say things like, well, Rosie just went to sleep and, uh, she, you know, she died, then little kids are afraid to go to sleep. Or they say, well, Rosie got really sick, and so the vet had to give her a shot, and she died. They're scared to death when they're the flu. Yeah, absolutely. important that they we be told the We don't want to give truth. people that impression, do we? And, and if you aren't religious, you don't need to say, they went to heaven. You can say, I don't know. I honestly don't know. But it's important that children be told the truth. Sure,
0: I agree. All right. Here's a hard question that I know comes up a lot, too. Should I get a new pet right away?
2: And that that's one that I guess because I'm pretty intuitive and spiritual, I think I think the soul of your last pet's going to tell you. Okay. I really do. I think you will be um, be just fine. And then you will see a a thing on TV about a dog at the shelter and something will say, oh, I'm supposed to go get that dog. Right. Oh, that's the dog I should go get. And are you go into the shelter to volunteer and an animal immediately greets you and you think, okay, I guess I'm supposed to get that. And I don't think there is a set time. I think there are people who who's, who's uh, who need a pet in their life consistently, and I think that a lot of us uh, show our love uh, our love vicariously to adult or to humans through our pets. Sure. Sure. You know, I, I, every, every time my husband and I leave the house, we have this little dog named Focus, who is supposed to sit on my lap and help me to focus in my writing. But she has ADD, so she doesn't. <laughs> but, <laughs> every time we leave the house, we carry on this little conversation. Now, Focus, you'll be a good girl. Mom and dad will be back and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, out in the car, we say, are we crazy? You know, we really expect her to answer us. But she looks at us. Like she does. Like she understands. She's a part of our family. Absolutely.
0: And I think she does understand. Yeah. Um, I am frequently encouraging people when they have an older pet um, and they say, oh, well, I have this older pet. And I always say, well, yeah, I think you should get another one while your old pet is still living. Because I always think that the older pets train the younger ones to the that's
2: room, a great the idea. Yes. Yeah.
0: And then at least for me, it makes the loss a little less painful. Um, mm-hmm. Because I've got those other bright eyes looking at me and um, being welcoming and, and and grieving with me.
2: Yep. Yep. That's true. I think that's a great idea, Peggy.
0: So I love that you call yourself a memory writer and uh, that you teach people how to write um important information to leave behind for their families um, in the form of memoirs. Um, Tell us about why you encourage people to write memoirs about their beloved pets.
2: I think that it stands as a witness to your love. And and a lot of times you can... um, You can say things about your pet or through your pet. And I I wonder if you read the novel Racing in the Rain. I sure did. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just uh, this book of I Lost My Best Friend Today, dealing with the loss of a beloved pet is is really, it was very, everyone that sent me um, uh, an article to be included in that said how therapeutic it was to share that pain once again and to remember and to think oh yeah and this is what he taught me oh yeah and this is what I learned yeah and this is what he shared with me or this is what she shared with me yeah so it I just think it's important to write our memoirs no matter who or what we are
0: absolutely well and I look at pets sometimes as I the same way I look at friends or people that come in and out of your life is that Um, people come into our lives and pets come into our lives for a reason
1: a season
0: or a lifetime. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, so I have had some foster animals that, you know, came into my life for a season, or I've had a few that maybe arrived for a specific reason. I like it when they come for a
2: lifetime, but, um, that doesn't always happen. No. And, and no matter how long they're with you. It gives you a, uh, it, it just gives you this wonderful opportunity to share with them and, and to help them know that they're loved.
0: Absolutely. And uh, the nothing better than sharing with an animal all the reasons about why they are loved. So if we were to just sit down and write a memoir um, about either our own lives or the, the relationship we had with the pet. Are there are some kind of key factors that you tell people to include?
2: You know, Peggy, you're not going to believe this because I'm 77 years old, but I do TikTok. Okay, and, uh, and it's under Judy Helm Wright, and uh, it's they're just little memory joggers. Uh, like I would ask you, tell me about the day uh, the day your horse died. Right. Tell me uh, how you got that horse. Tell me about your relationship with that horse. Tell me what the personality of the horse. Because every one of them have a different personality. Goodness, yes. And, and you know, there are just... Um, there are just parts to this that you're, you're able, and a lot of times people are very hesitant to talk about their own lives. They feel like, oh, I didn't do anything wonderful. I didn't do anything great. But they can tell you the story of their lives through their dogs or through their animals. And I have one man that wrote a, a memoir called, um, Without Labs, it are let's see, Without Labs is Life Worth Living. Because he loved his labs so much and and told his life story through his labs. Oh, that's great. Well, you have shared with us
0: today some of your book titles, and I know you have many more. Tell us where people can go to get more information about your books
2: let's send them to, uh, like you, I have a number of of websites. And when you live this long, there isn't too much you can't do. But I'm going to send them to artichokepress.com and then look at products. And the artichoke is my logo because it encompasses the families that I've worked with that are very closed off and brittle and a little prickly. And with with patience and with warmth, they open up and expose their heart. And very often, at that heart is a pet. So it's artichoke press because I was a publisher.com. Okay. Very nice.
0: Well, and um, I, for folks that are interested, she does book coaching, e course coaching, one on one mentoring, and of course, uh, pet grief and loss um, coaching.
2: So would you like my email? Um, I don't mind at all having people email me. Absolutely. Go ahead and tell us. It's judyhwright at gmail.com. Okay. judyhwright at Mm
0: gmail.com. All right.
2: And tell us how many books you have now. Oh, well, of my own. I have 22 and I have one that I'm working on right now that for a publisher that will be published in the spring. And it's, um, tell me your story, write your memoir. Okay, I like that. And it's on, and if you go to memoirlifestorywriting.com, I have a course there on how to write your life
0: story. Okay. Well, we will have to send people there for sure. And uh, I truly believe in writing your life story and sharing that information. Um, I try to counsel my estate planning clients about the importance of leaving their story or their memoir, because I feel like when a person dies, we lose a whole library
2: worth of information. Absolutely. And so much wisdom, so much wisdom. And, and Peggy, you may understand this, but we have published our ethical will. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, And that's something that um, a lot of people, uh, you know, they worry about their physical will and testament, but that ethical will is much more important to share your values and your standards and your wishes for your posterity.
0: I believe that that's true. And um, I uh, I also encourage people that if you have a family member that is not writing their life story, you can help them do that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think sometimes what triggers people is the word we use, write, because my sister uh, who's older said, oh, I so want you to write your life story. And I said, we're actually doing it. I've got my phone turned on and I, it's at its You go to speech to text, and it isn't perfect. The text isn't perfect, but it's pretty darn good. Yeah, you can always edit it, right? Absolutely. And then you can then that gives you a um, a format that you can say, well, tell me a little more about this, or tell me a little more about that. But you don't you don't need to write. You can speak it.
0: Well, and my dad, John Hoyt, um, he always said that he was going to write a book someday and it was going to be called Letters to My Children. Yes. I thought that was a fabulous idea. And so I said to my dad, "Okay, dad, I'm also going to write a book. So you write your book and I'll write my book and we'll see who gets finished first. And he never did write that book. And it made me sad. So one day, my sister and I decided that we were going to write a book with dad. And yes. so got our dad to give us copies of his sermons from when he had been a practicing minister, copies of his speeches when he was with the Humane Society of the United States. He was also one of those people that saved every letter he ever wrote to a person. So we oh had my some family letters and he had some poems that he had written. And we compiled those all into a book called I Live But Once. Oh, good, right. Oh, my gosh. And we gave it to my mom and my dad on their 50th wedding anniversary. And you would have thought he was a New York Times best-selling author. He was so proud of that book. So mm-hmm. I I encourage people to help their loved ones do that if they're not capable of getting it done for themselves.
2: But I'll tell you what. Uh, so many people buy their parents those books uh, that fill in the blanks and people won't do it. No, they won't. I have given a number of those to my parents. You'd be better off to interview your parents. Absolutely. Fill in the blanks yourself. Absolutely. Because they—that uh, that is so intimidating for them to sit down and do that. But if you ask them questions exactly like, like you were doing, just ask them questions and then they tell you. They tell you the story. Absolutely. Well, my best
0: friend, before she died, she wrote a book called One More Conversation. Mm-hmm. And She was advocating in that book for people to write letters to their loved ones prior to their passing, something that they could hold on to as a memento, something that just expressed your love and appreciation for that person. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be typewritten. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just the expression of your affection for the people in your life that you care about, And I encourage my clients to do the same thing because I know from experience, uh, another one of my friends received one of those letters from his mother and um, his mom died when he was a young teenager. And he still carries that letter around to this day. And he's in his 60s. That's how important that letter was to him.
2: You know, Peggy, I had an experience I want to share with you. I uh, got a phone call one day from a a man. My husband was a career Air Force officer from a a man we hadn't seen in 20 years. And he said uh, my wife died and he said she died of cancer and she did not want people to know that she was dying. She didn't want any tuna casserole. She didn't want anybody bugging her. She just wanted to live until she died. But she made a list of people who had touched her in her life. And she wanted me to call them after her death and to say to them how they had how they had influenced her and how grateful she was for their influence. And I was so struck. And as I was sharing it with my children, they said, What did you do? And I said, I don't know. I honestly have no idea, but somehow something that I had done touched her life and made it better. And she wanted me to know that. Oh, that was lovely. Yes. So I, that's one of the things I'm doing is making a list of people who have touched my life in various ways and, and only I'm, I'm telling them now I'm calling them now. Well, and and I
0: guess that's why they say now, too, it's become a little more popular to maybe have a what we call a living funeral.
2: Um, Just. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to those.
0: I've been to those. I love it. Yeah. A living tribute to yourself, which you can throw the party for yourself. And um, I think what a great way to do that.
2: And then you get to hug. You get to hug and you get to share. Yeah.
0: Well, I I almost think of my grandfather. He died at age 103, and at his 100th birthday party, my sister stood up and she said, pop up, you've lived a really long time, and I'm just curious to know, what's the most significant invention over your 100 years of life? And just as quick as he could snap it out of his mouth, he said, the bikini. Oh, really? Oh, how funny. So you know that people don't lose their sense of humor ever. And it was a great living tribute to the man. So um, I do, I encourage everybody, write it down, share it with people. Don't be afraid. Put it in an envelope, seal it, put it Mm -hmm. with your stuff. They don't have to have it today if you're you're embarrassed about that sort of thing. But I think that all kids really want to know is how much you loved and appreciated them and the things that they did that made you proud.
2: Or they want to know if, if, if you need their forgiveness, they oh. want to know you're sorry that you didn't do whatever it was. Right. And, and, you know, a letter of forgiveness goes a long way in healing relationships.
0: Well, and I think that goes back to your four tenets that you shared in the beginning, which is please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. And I love you. Mm -hmm. And then I like your last little bit. Enjoy the journey. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, Judy Helm-Wright, life educator, family coach, keynote speaker, writer of many, many books. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks,
2: Peggy. I sure enjoyed being with you.
0: Oh, it was fun. Thank you. And to all my listeners, thank you for joining us. And we hope you'll join us next time on All My Children Wear Fur Coats. You can find us on Facebook at All My Children Wear Fur Coats, on Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats. You can also find us at actforpets.org through Animal Care Trust USA. If you wanna visit our website for the uh, law firm, you can find us at hoytbryan.com. You know my motto, until there are none, please adopt one. And we'll see you next time. Happy tails.
1: Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats with your host, Peggy Hoyt. We hope you learned something valuable for the benefit of your pet.